Wow. So everyone is a Patriots fan now. I'm a real Vikings fan. Been one since 11 minutes ago. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy basketball analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me as always on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, a couple of other Twitter accounts for you to follow, Basketball Monster at Basque Monster, and of course the Locked On Network's Twitter handle, which is at Locked On NBA Net. We are going to recap the four games from Sunday. We're going to preview a nine-game Monday. We're going to shine the player spotlight on Dennis Smith Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to look at the week ahead for weekly leagues and for daily leagues and recap a couple of teams who don't play on either Sunday or Monday. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. So let's get to it. To it. Oh, yeah, let's get to it indeed, Michael Bolton. the uh, Let's start by looking at the week ahead, and we'll start with daily changes leagues and by looking at where we can target days to stream and how we're going to uh, attack that in terms of our strategy. We've got a, a decently uh, a decently spread out um, uh, schedule. On Monday, we've got nine games. On Tuesday, we've got five games. Wednesday, nine games. Thursday, four Friday 10, Saturday 7, and Sunday 7. So there's a possibility you could stream every day of this week. In reality, you're probably looking more at Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday though. But there is opportunities there depending on how your uh, how your roster s- stacks up as to whether you could stream on those other days, especially those nine game days like mon- Monday and Wednesday. But again, I like to look at it with eight games and under there, my streaming type day. So We're looking Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So the way we want to do it is trying to maximize our bang for our buck. So trying to get multiple games out of singular editions. So by doing that, you target back-to-backs or pseudo back-to-backs. And by pseudo back-to-backs, if you are a new listener, what I mean is games that surround non-streamable days. So for example, Tuesday and Thursday are low-volume days, and in the middle of that's a nine-game Wednesday. So you could theoretically add someone on Tuesday, have a full lineup for Wednesday, and then use that guy again that you added on Tuesday Again, there on Thursday, so getting two games for the price of one acquisition. So let's look at how we can attack that and which teams we're looking at. In fact, there's one team this week that stands out and you can get four games for the price of one, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. They play the Tuesday-Thursday pseudo back-to-back. They play the Thursday-Saturday pseudo back-to-back, and they play the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back. So you could add a Thunder guy, whether that's someone like Fat Face Ray Felton, Andre Robertson, Jeremy Grant, uh, Pat Patterson, perhaps. These guys are all obviously low value, but you can get four games out of them for one edition. Uh, and you can get you can add them on Tuesday, and you can get four games worth there. So that is something to pay attention to. Uh, the other Tuesday, Thursday, guys, we're looking at the Kings, we're looking at the Knicks, and we're looking at the Warriors. The Warriors, another team who you can add a guy on Tuesday and get three games out of them, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday the way that their schedule uh, pans out, you can look at guys like perhaps Omri Caspi. You could look at Zaza Pachulia. You could maybe look at Kevon Looney. A guy I'd be more likely to look at is Andre Iguodala uh, if he is healthy to go, which we don't know yet. You could look at Uncle P. Nick Young. You look at Sean Livingston. These, of course, aren't sexy options, but you're multiplying their numbers by three to get that three for the price of one. Whereas if you do have limited acquisitions, you might only be able to get one game there. So three games of a Sean Livingston might be equivalent to one game of Jared 
Jack say for the Knicks, even though I'm going to talk about the Knicks now as having that Tuesday, Thursday back-to-back. So uh, they're another team there. The Kings and the Knicks have that Tuesday, Thursday back-to-back as well. In terms of Thursday, Saturday, pseudo back-to-backs, I've already mentioned OKC and Golden State have got it. But the Timberwolves, the Heat, the Wizards, and the Nuggets also have that there. So there's quite a few guys that you can look at, especially for Miami. The Duke Wayne Ellington should be owned anyway. You might be able to get something out of Bam Adebayo or Cali Olenek across that time frame. Justice Winslow. For the Wizards, Cali Oubre, of course, is the main one we're looking at there. Thomas Satoransky could have some value. And for Denver, you're looking at guys like Baby Neck, Wilson, Chandler. You're perhaps looking at a Mason Plumley and Trey Lyles, although Lyles is someone who probably should be owned anyway. And then to round things off, on the weekend, the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back is the Thunder and the Pistons. That is it. And, of course, with the Pistons, you're looking at Stan Johnson, Reggie Bullock, um, Tone Tolliver as guys that you can get two games out of there who might have some value for you. If you want to switch this across, actually, no, let's not switch it to weekly leagues yet. Let's look at who has the three game in four nights, which is another way if you've got those roster spots to try and maximize your value. Starting on Monday, the Kings play three games in four nights, so there's some value there. Starting Tuesday, you've got the Spurs and the Knicks who play three games in four nights. On Wednesday, it's the Mavericks, Hornets, Wolves, Hawks, and Pacers. And starting Thursday, as we've detailed already, the Thunder, they play Thursday, they play Saturday, they play Sunday. So they have the three and four, and all three of those games are on the low-volume days. Let's look at weekly leagues now. There was one team that plays two games this week, and that is the Orlando Magic. So you can bench basically every one of their players. For the four games, it's the Hawks, it's the Hornets, the Bulls, the Mavericks, the Rockets, the Clippers, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Thunder, Sixers, Suns, Kings, and Spurs. And the rest of the league plays three games. That's the Celtics, Nets, Cavs, Nuggets, Pistons, Warriors, Pacers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Heat, Bucks, Knicks, Blazers, Raptors, Jazz, and Wizards. And let's have a look at, with those three-game teams in particular, yeah, how it all uh, how it all pans out in terms of uh, ease of schedule because you can compare the Miami Heat who have three games against the Rockets, against the Kings, and against the Hornets. Some really nice matchups for fantasy stat padding, and compare that to say the Pistons who play the Jazz, the Thunder, and the Cavs. Now the Cavs we know are a nice team to go up against. The Jazz and the Thunder, not so much. So if you're deciding between a guy like Avery Bradley on the Pistons or a guy like Tyler Johnson if he is healthy, or a guy say maybe it is Kelly Olynyk on the Heat that schedule would tip those uh, guys in favor of the Heat players. And you know, other teams with strong three-game weeks, the Pacers and the Bucks have also got strong ones. And on the weak side of things, the Grizzlies and the Cavs have poor schedules because uh, those two teams both take on the Spurs, which we know is a team that does really limit the uh, performances of oppositions in terms of their fantasy value. All right, what we're going to do now is recap the action from the teams across the the weekend, the teams that didn't play Sunday or don't play on Monday, just to give you any information of stuff that may have uh, may have gone on across the weekend. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers really struggling in terms of their defensive stuff. And as we've seen, Kevin Love's usage, uh, his touches, which of course is his usage, his scoring, has all dipped since Isaiah Thomas has been back. And you can say there's been some blowouts in there, which there has been, but it is still a concern with Love and that usage. And that was why I was banging on that drum pretty hard to try and trade him away, because I did think that we saw Ty Lue mismanage usage of guards before, and he's doing it again now. We're seeing Derek Rose get more shots than Kevin Love or more usage than Kevin Love. Isaiah Thomas obviously dominating in that area as well, and that is limiting what Love can do. As I said, Rose did come back. Um, he is not of any value in any standard leagues, 12s, 14s, maybe a 16 to 18 team league guy. That's probably about it for him. 
Onto the Thunder side of things, Andre Robertson back up to his usual minutes, but that is really just a specialist type of guy for steals and blocks. Not much more happening there, of course, with him back. Terrence Ferguson's minutes have dropped back down, and he's in that mix with Josh Hustis and Alex Abrines to play those minutes, and it's going to be quite low in terms of overall uh, ability for him to contribute. Onto the Warriors side of things, they had that loss against the Rockets. Not much to really talk about. As I mentioned earlier, Igadala missed that game, so he could have some uh, issues throughout the rest of this week coming up. Uh, I would expect maybe the Warriors to, to sit a, a guy like Draymond with that shoulder soreness popping up. That's a possibility. I've got no uh, information that's happening, but it is something to watch as the Warriors progress through the season. And the last team who we're not going to talk about too much more in this show is the Toronto Raptors. DeLon Wright had another strong game across the weekend. He he provides value different nights. Sometimes he'll give you points and threes. Sometimes he'll give you assists and steals. He'll throw in those blocks. And I think he does have 12-team league value. So have a look if he's on your wire. He might be able to replace someone who's at the back end of your bench, but he's not going to be consistent in the stats that he provides. It will be scoring sometimes. It'll be assists. It'll be threes. It'll be steals. It'll be blocks. But he can contribute in multiple different areas, and that's part of the value, which I guess makes him more of a of a stronger roto guy than a uh, than a head to head player. Um, Jonas Valanciunas played really limited minutes in one of those games across the weekend, just further proving to us that having any idea of what his minutes are going to be, it, it's almost impossible at this point because. Because we've seen so many of uh, of these guys, or so many of these games with Valanciunas, um, you know, he plays 27, he plays 15. It's impossible to know. When he plays 22 plus, he's a guy to own, but then it can go down to 18. He is still someone to own, but it's obviously you know, up in the air consistently with the way that uh, Dwayne Casey is using him and using his centers in general. Let's move on to the monstrous line of the night. And for Sunday, it goes to Kyrie Irving of the Boston Celtics, 47-5 with five triples, a block. He was 14 of 23 from the field and seven of eight from the free throw line. His numbers had had dipped a, a little bit in recent times, but nothing too, uh, nothing too poor. Against the Sixers, he did miss that with a shoulder injury, but came back, obviously, at full, full tilt, 40 minutes, and that's a, a great sign for his owners. He is the 16th-ranked player this year. I thought he'd more push up into the 12 to 13 zone, but 16th is still pretty bloody good. 24 and a half, 3 and a half, and 5 hitting 2.73s and getting you 1.2 steals. And his numbers are almost identical to last season. I thought he'd see an increase in his free throws, which has happened over the last two weeks. But for the start of the season, he was quite down in that area. But he's taken it up to 6.0 uh, per game over the last two weeks. And there is a possibility that that can, uh, can, can uh, continue. And that would uh, further va- increase his value if he gets to the... Because he shoots the ball so well from the line. If he can get there six, six and a half, seven times a game, that can bump him three to four spots in the fantasy ranking. So it's something to watch and something to monitor. The waiver wire line of the night goes to Kyle Anderson of the San Antonio Spurs. 10, 8, and 3 for Ando with five steals and three blocks. And he was four of six from the field. He's obviously playing in place of uh, Kawhi Leonard. And the numbers, they don't look sensational on the surface because you go, okay, the last two weeks he's playing 29 minutes ago. That's pretty good. But seven points, but it's in the other numbers. Six and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, two and a half steals with a block. That's where the real value is coming from, especially those really, really high steal numbers. Now, I do expect that to dip a little bit for Kyle Anderson. He is the 80th ranked player over the course of the season in 28 minutes. And while Kawhi is out, he's someone that's totally fine to own. But I wouldn't class him as 100% a must-own guy. 
Um, he probably should be owned in, in all 12 team leagues, but if your team's quite strong, Anderson, he provides value in certain areas, but obviously the points part of his uh, equation is never going to be that high. He's not going to be a high volume guy, but contributing in the low volume categories, the steals, the blocks, the assists, and some rebounds can really help your team. So go and have a look if he's on your wire. He might be able to help. He might not, but I feel pretty good about him being able to do at least something for your team. The young gun of the night. Yes, amazingly, it is Alex Caruso of the Los Angeles Lakers. Nine, four, and eight for Caruso. He hit a three. He had two steals, and he was four of six from the field. He played 31 minutes in this game. It was a weird one for the Lakers, as Walton, you know, almost immediately in the third quarter, benched his starters, and everyone bar Julius Randle barely saw the court after that. So Caruso got some extra playing time. Now, Walton wouldn't rule out that Caruso could start in place of Lonzo Ball in the next game, with Tyler Ennis currently the guy starting. It seemed like Caruso's more in line to get that job than Jordan Clarkson. But I don't think that uh, Caruso is this awesome option that you have to go and stream in or anything along those lines. But he plays on Tuesday, as the Lakers do. And if you're in need of a guy who can maybe get you six to seven assists, then Alex Caruso could be that guy. I don't don't really love him long-term for Dynasty, but there could be a short-term value uh, bump here for a guy like Alex Caruso. Well, not a guy like Alex Caruso, a guy called Alex Caruso. The dud of the night. Avery Bradley. Seven points, one rebound, one assist, a triple zero, three of 12 from the field, and he hit his only free throw. He has been a disaster this season, the 154th ranked player, 237th over the last month, dealing with groin issues, but it's been just the complete lack of everything apart from scoring that he's offered this season. He's at 15.5 points per game, which is fine. Two threes, not too bad. But his rebounding has gone from 6.1 down to 2.4, something that was always going to happen playing alongside Andre Drummond, but it's gone even further down than I anticipated. 2.1 assists and 1.2 steals. And his efficiency in going from a system like Brad Stevens' is in Boston to Stan Van Gundy's, he's gone from 46 from the field and 39 from three. He's gone down to 41% from the field. Still hitting 40% of his threes, but those two-point percentages have dipped quite a bit. And that, in large part because he's taking more harder contested twos as a more elevated option on offense. I don't think that he needs to be owned in 10-team leagues, and I don't think that he's a 12-team league must-own guy anyway because we've seen the minutes. They haven't really varied. Uh, The points are fine. The threes are fine, but it's the efficiency that really costs you, and then the lack of anything in those other categories. Like, one steal's okay, but it's it's not changing everything for this guy or for this team's values. It's that he's basically at this point a three point and a points streamer, and that's really about it. So if there's someone else on your wire, if you need to move on from Avery Bradley, you could consider it. He's not a must drop or anything like that, but he's someone who is obviously well down in the numbers. And yeah, you know, we've given him. He's had 38 games, and not much has. Well, by not much, I mean nothing has changed so far. Time for the question of the day. Today's question of the day comes from. Fias, Fias Kane, Fias, Fias Kane, I'm not sure, I'm going to go with Fias Kane, his name is Rick, apparently, he says, do you have any pets, and if not, then what pet would you want to have, I don't have any pets, I did have some fish at one stage, but they died, some uh, catfish and some tropical fish, they died, Um, I never had any pets growing up at all, no dogs, no cats, no anything like that, but I have wanted to get myself a pet, now, I don't know if I'm going to get myself a cat. That's probably a number one option given just where I live and and lack of backyard and that sort of stuff. But the pet that I really want to get, I want to get a duck and I want to get a pig. Um, And I want them to become mates and to hang out with each other. You know, those unlikely animal friendships. I want to get something like that happening in the backyard. Duck, Doug, not Doug, duck and pig in the backyard, becoming best of mates, taking them on walks. 
yeah, that, they're the pets that I want. It's probably never going to happen, but uh, that that is the animals. The other animal that maybe I'd like to get is a rat, but uh, I'll probably put that behind the pig and the duck at this point. So thank you, Rick, for that question. Let's get into these games now and talk about them in a bit more detail. There were four of them on the weekend. The first one, the Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics. Big win for the Magic here on the road. Aaron Gordon shooting, continuing to desert him. 29% from the field. Missed all three of his three-pointers. Not going to maintain that value from the start of the season. We've seen that. The other numbers are right. 11, 13, and 4. But don't buy on him thinking he's going to push back into the top 20. I think pushing back to the top 50 is realistic. But I don't think that that shooting is going to return to that level. Lord Alfred Payton, 22 and 6 in 35 minutes. That's strong against a Celtics team who's been pretty good against uh, point guards uh, all season. So strong performance from him while Fournier had 19, 3 and 3. Johnny Simmons, good some de- good defensive numbers. Two blocks, four assists there and nine points. While f- um, Bismack Biombo was terrible. 21 minutes, four points and three blocks, but nothing else for Biombo. I don't think he's very good. You've heard me say that plenty of times about Bismack, and this this is why. He can have some good games, and he should be owned, but I don't think he's any threat to maintain this starting job over Nick Vucevic when he comes back. I think he's best suited to a 17 to 18-minute role as a uh, as a bench center, and that's probably about it. On to the Celtics. As I said, Kyrie returned. Marcus Smart, limited minutes, only 20 for him here, two points and three assists, but I wouldn't be reading overly yeah, large amounts into that while Marcus Morris got the start uh, 26 minutes for Morris, 12 and 5. I thought he was always in line to start against Orlando, but Baines was dealing with some uh, illness issues as well. Morris is more of a 14-team league pickup. Jalen Brown, he's both his free throws. So that's amazing. 17 and 7 for Brownie, while Al Horford had 9, 5, and 6 with a triple one. Jason Tatum's three-point percentage has dipped. He's at 32% over the last month, still at 45% for the season, showing just how hot he was to begin this year. He had 9 and 10 with a triple one. So still able to contribute when the shot's not falling. The 10 boards, the steal, and the block. And that's what is going to make him a solid fantasy guy for the rest of this season. At least, or not at least, because he will be throughout his career as well. The New York Knicks and the LA Lakers. Uh, Ennis Cantor, 12 and 14 in his 29 minutes. So good to see his minutes bounce back up. He's always at risk of them dropping down, but that was, uh, it's good to see that. Well, Timmy Hardaway had 17 and 3 with five triples, and Mick Beasley down to just 14 minutes. Now, in that 14 minutes, he had a usage of 40% and dropped in 17 points. But with Hardaway pushing back up to 30, 30-plus 30 minutes, Beasley's minutes are going to be an up-and-down scenario. And in 10-team leagues, you can move on. And in 12s, I reckon he's a droppable guy there as well. Frankie Nielakina, only 18 minutes because we had to get seven minutes of Trey Burke in there. And, of course, 26 minutes of Jarrett Jack. Jack is an assist streamer. Or Nielakina, I just feeling by day by day as it goes through, I'm feeling less and less confidence in Jeff Hornacek doing the right thing in terms of giving him consistent minutes, unfortunately. Porzingis was okay without being spectacular, 17-4 and four in the blowout. Now onto the Lakers. I mentioned they benched the starters. Brooke Lopez, 15 minutes. Tyler Ennis, 11 minutes. Josh the Hitman Hart, 17. And um, Brandon Ingram, just 24, who's still battling back from that ankle. And Kyle Kuzma involved there, only played 10 minutes. Now Kuzma did hurt his finger, but... Luke Walton was pretty clear to say that him playing only 10 minutes wasn't due to the finger. It was due to his defense. He only he still had 15 points, but didn't do much in the other categories. He's still a guy to own. Um, and this was without Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So look, the rotation here in the minutes distribution is a little bit out of whack. 37 minutes for Randall, 31 for Caruso, 38 for Geordie Clarkson, who had 29, 6, and 10 with three steals. 
But when pressed on if Clarkson would start in place of Ball, uh, Walton said maybe, but then he said, I don't see it happening. So I, I think that the last two games have been good for Clarkson. And if you want to do a short-term ad, that's fine. But I don't really have huge faith in him as we move forward. Good night from Larry Nance as well, 13-5 and five with a couple of blocks. But the 32 minutes come because Kuzma was so limited just with the 10 minutes of action there. The next game, we take a look at the Brooklyn Nets and the Detroit Pistons. Spencer Dinwiddie with the game winner, 31 minutes for Dinwiddie, 22-4-5 with four triples. Yeah, the risk is there of what's going to happen to him as uh, D'Angelo Russell works back in. But for now, you just keep holding him. And as for Russell, he only scored the three points in 14 minutes. And Levert struggled quite a bit with his shot from the field in the line. But still, another guy I'm holding who had nine, four, and three. Jaleel Okafor. Uh, seven minutes, two points. This is uh, a, a more common thread for him. Or well, Damari Carroll is a must-own guy, or a should-own guy in standard leagues. 16-5-3, and three, but he's going to be on your wire in a lot of situations. Go and have a look. Much rather him over the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, who had just the six points. While well, Rondé had 21-8-7 and seven in his 31 minutes for the Pistons. Stan Johnson outplayed Reggie Bullock. Bullock had seven in 22 minutes, while Johnson had 18-4. and four. It was good to see him being aggressive offensively and getting those shot attempts. But I wouldn't be rushing to grab Stan in any standard leagues, maybe a 16-team league grab. Toby Harris had 27-5, and while Lukey Kennard dropped in 13 in his 22 minutes. Interestingly, Dwight Bikes was out of the rotation with Langston Galloway uh, getting the backup point guard minutes. He had 8-4-5. and five. Bikes had been playing very, very well, outplaying Smith on some occasions, but Galloway gets the minutes here. These are just deeper league scenarios, so maybe watch for the next one, and if Bikes is out again, you can uh, move on from him and uh, substitute him with a guy like Langston Galloway. The last game of the night, the Pacers on the road against the Spurs get the big victory. 36 minutes for Oladipo, 19-4 with three steals. Had four guys get three steals. Depot, Thad, Daz Collison and Boyan Bogdanovic all had three steals and all scored in double digits. It's good to see Collison get a little bit more consistency going. 34 minutes, 15, 2, and 4 with three steals for Collison, while Thad had 14, 7, and 4 with three steals there as well. Corey Joseph hit, uh, I guess, the game ceiling three. He had 9 and 6 in 31 minutes, <clears throat> while DeMontis Sabonis. Nine points in 28 minutes. Still a guy to hold despite a couple of roughish outings over the last week or so uh, with Miles Turner out. Onto the Spurs, an interesting thing happened. Tony Parker was removed from the starting lineup, but it wasn't because he was resting, because he played. He played 20 minutes off the bench and had 12, 3, and 5. DeJounte Murray just was installed as the starter, and, and Greg Popovich wouldn't go as far as to say that uh, Parker would be back starting the next game, so that's something to monitor. DeJounte had 8, 7, and 4, but three steals and a block. He's not a good shooter. He's not a good scorer, but he rebounds at a high level. He can get assists, he can get steals, he can get blocks. So he's a name to watch, maybe an add in a 16 or a 14-team league, just to see exactly where Popovich goes with this. There was no Manu in this game, so that did give him some extra minutes, and that could be a factor in why he got the start here, just to change those rotations up. But it is something to pay attention to. Dan Green, 5 minutes in 23 Sorry, five points in 23 minutes. More of a streamer than a must-own guy. While LaMarcus had 10 and 10, it was a struggle for him in his 37 minutes. That does it for all the action for Sunday. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk... Uh, we're going to talk about all the action for Monday, where there are nine games. We're going to look at the player spotlight, which is going to shine on Dennis Smith Jr., and we're going to go through the perfect DFS lineup. So I'm going to give you a song by uh, Visca called Let Go. And then we'll be back to talk some DFS.
All right, guys, we're back. And just before we went to the break, I was talking about the Spurs game. And in the break, I just went and looked at uh, at some tweets that had gone out. And it seems that DeJounte Murray has now been anointed as the starting point guard. That hasn't been official from Pop. It was from Tony Parker you know, speaking after the game, saying, you know, if that's what I need to do now, I need to run that second unit with uh, with Manu. The time comes for everyone. So he seemed pretty uh, circumspect in terms of his role moving forward, and he was seeming to intimate quite strongly that he will be coming off the bench now, and DeJounte Murray will be the team's starter. So I said you could go and look at him in 16-team leagues, but I would look at him now in 14-team leagues, and I'd even consider it in 12-team leagues. If he's going to play 26 minutes a night, his ability to rebound from that position, get blocks in that position, four to five assists, maybe one and a half to two steals, it can be valuable. Now, he's not an absolute must-own guy in those standard leagues, but he can have some value, and I think he's going to push those minutes uh, right up there as Parker moves into a 20-21 minute role and, and Murray moves into that 20-26 minute role as Mills gets more minutes at the two, and that cuts into Danny Green's playing time. So that's the latest on the, the DeJounte Murray situation, which again, just uh, just checked up on as we went to break just then. Now we're going to look at the player spotlight. Today's player spotlight is Dennis Smith Jr., of the Dallas Mavericks. Smith was a guy that I was really keen on. Before the uh, Boston-Philadelphia trade, I really wanted the Sixers to take Smith at pick three. He was the guy I had as the third prospect in this draft behind Fulton Ball. Obviously, things would be a little bit different now. Well, maybe not. Things would definitely be different in some respect with you know, the way Tatum's played and the way that Don Mitchell has played. But I still like Smith as an elite talent. And I said about two to three weeks ago, I could see him having a top 50 second half of the season. Well, in the last two weeks, he's the 43rd ranked player, averaging 21 points, 4 rebounds, 4.6 assists, and 1.2 steals, playing 33 minutes a night. With the move of Yogi Ferrell more into the starting lineup, that's given Smith more minutes at at the starting point guard. He's got his efficiency way up at 46% from the field there. And still just shooting 29% from three. Now, for the year, he's a 33% three-point shooter, and he's 139th guy for the year. But a major part of his, uh, I guess, ranking deficit there is his field goal percentage, which is 41% on 14 attempts. What he's done over these last two weeks is up that true shooting from 49 to 56 and take his usage from 28 to 30. So a usage increase with an efficiency increase is huge. The minutes have gone up as well for Smith. And in that, that 43rd ranking over the last two weeks, if he averaged from here on out, if he averaged 24 and 5 with uh, one and a half threes, one and a half steals, I don't think that's entirely unrealistic. Maybe the 46% shooting can't stick. Maybe the 91% from the free throw line won't stick, considering he was just a 71% shooter last year in college. But if we go back to what he did in college last season, this was his year on, on an ACL recovery season. So that's what makes it even more impressive what he did for NC State. We know about the attitudinal issues, the defensive issues, and there's been plenty of defensive issues for him this season as well. But on a team with literally no one else around recovering from an ACL, he scored 18 points per game, had 6.2 assists and 4.6 rebounds, almost two steals, and was a 46% shooter from the field and 36% shooting from three. Now, as for this season, as I said, lots we've talked about it plenty of times in the DFS portion of the show, is that point guards going up against the Mavericks have had a really, really good opportunity to put up good numbers. In large part, that's because of Smith's defense, but some of his defensive stats aren't necessarily horrendous. His defensive box score plus minus is a negative 0.6. That's not bad. Defensive win shares is actually a positive of 0.9. So there's some positivity there, but when you look at his on-off stuff, the, the team is 9.8 points better off with him on the bench. That's in large part due to the stellar play of J.J. Bray, but it's also not a great 
uh, indicator, or it's not a great indictment on, on how Smith has played, but we've seen him start to improve pretty significantly lately. Uh, and that's you know, taking those big step forward, steps forward, which is something that we, we always anticipate with rookies as we head into this part of the season. He's got a PER of 13 for the year and a true shooting of 49, as I mentioned earlier. But I, those two things are going to increase, and I think a big, strong second half is coming. I think he can be a perennial top 30 fantasy player as we move forward throughout his career. I think he's going to have at least one or two top 20 seasons. And I think we'll be targeting that around his fourth or fifth season that he'll be in there. Think of a guy, uh, I guess, similarly to what Victor Oladipo is doing this season with fewer blocks. I could see him being a guy like that. I could see him being a player like uh, even a, a Kyrie Irving to a degree. If he doesn't, not in terms of play style necessarily, but fantasy stuff. You know, high scoring, giving those assists with a steal, steal and a half. But I, I think maybe a Victor Oladipo minus the blocks is is a realistic sort of expectation for Dennis Smith's fantasy value. Yeah, a high rebounding guard who can go for he could average twenty three five and five with one and a half steals and two triples per game, and that's a top twenty type of a player. That's how highly I value him in uh, in fantasy and in dynasty leagues. And again, if he is on your waiver wire, it is as much of a no-brainer as there is. He needs to be owned in every single league, and it should be by you. So go and have a look if he's on your wire. And if he is, stop this podcast, go and delete it actually, and then re-download it so I get more download numbers. Stop the podcast, go and add him, go and add him immediately. The shooting might regress, but he is going to continually be, he is going to be an absolute monster for this second half of the season. And if you drafted him and held through the toughness early on, which there were some tough times, I think you're going to be rewarded very, very handsomely. And we're going to see Smith start to really take control of this team and to take over. And we've seen him do it plenty of times. The talent is flashing, and I'm really, really interested to see where it goes for him in his career and for him in the rest of this season. Let's have a look at the perfect DFS lineup now for Fangel from Sunday. Uh, Fangel only didn't include the first game, just the three-game slate here. Daz Collison, 32.4, and DeJounte Murray, 30.4. Alex Caruso, 31.8. Jordy Clarkson, 59.2. Damari Carroll, 28.5. And Kyle Anderson, 45.1. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson had 43.1. Thaddeus Young had 40.4. And Julius Randle, 49.9. So three Lakers in there, Caruso, Clarkson, and Randall, which is, I guess, a little bit unexpected, especially the way that it happened with Walton benching all those starters and playing them so few minutes, enabling these guys to get a huge run, plus the unexpected start of DeJounte Murray. So getting some of those guys into lineup would have been a fair degree of guesswork. On DraftKings, Clarko had 59, Kyle Anderson 38, Hollis Jefferson 44, Young, the Deuce 36.75, Julius Randall 52, Fournier 31.75, Toby Harris 38.25, and Kyrie had 60.25 for a total of 360 points, and that cost $49,900 dues. Let's now look at these nine games we've got coming up on Monday. The first one is the Sacramento Kings and the Charlotte Hornets. And the best thing that I can say about this game is that the Kings game is the first game of the day. So we're going to know or have an idea of what their ever-changing starting lineup is going to be and who is going to rest. If I had to put my money on it at this point, I think Zach Randolph is out of this one. And I think Vince Carter sits this one out while uh, Costa Kufos, George Hill, and uh, Garrett Temple will be back playing. As for my guess of the starting lineup, 
Absolutely no idea. Does Garrett Temple move back in ahead of Justin Jackson? Uh, Scalabissier and Willie Cauley-Stein. I think you got three locks. Fox, Bogdanovich, and Cauley-Stein are locks. I think Labissier will start, if I'm assuming Randolph rests. And then what happens at the three? Does it go to Malachi Richardson? Do we get Budrick Heald moving in? Does Garrett Temple move back into that starting small forward spot? So there's still a lot of unknowns, but hopefully we get some clarification as to who is in and out before lineups lock. A point guard in this one, Kemba Walker, is at $8,200. It's not an ideal uh, price for Kemba. His numbers have been fairly solid, though, averaging 40 over his last three. And it's a, it's a decent-ish decent ish matchup. But recently, the Kings have been a marginal negative against point guards. So bear that in mind. There are better options out there than Kemba. As for De'Aaron Fox at 5700 um, with George Hill playing, I'm less interested in using Fox. I think he's more of a guy that we look at when Hill is resting, and I imagine Hill will be back in this one. He's a tournament guy at best here, while Hill at 4,700, while he's just, his numbers vary as much as anybody's, whether he plays 20 minutes or 37 minutes. Like Who knows what Dave Yeager is going to do. So at 4,700, he can be a GPP guy too. At shooting guard, Budrick is at 5,500. His numbers have been pretty decent lately with a 26-point average over the last three and 24 over the last five. I still don't have super confidence in him, mainly because of the way he gets used. I think there's something to see here, but it's far from an absolute lock. Well, Nick Batum at 6,100, that's a big price rise because his play has been much better, averaging 28 over the last five, and he dropped 44 in the last game. I like the matchup for Batum here. I I don't love the price. Um, I could consider using him in cash, but I think if we saw him at a cheaper price, I'd be more more interested. Jezalam at 46 is just too unpredictable, while Bogdan's at 6-2. I know what Bogdan's going to do in terms of minutes, but 6-2 is a fairly hefty chunk of change for, for getting him in, so he's probably a fade in this spot. At small forward, Kid Gilchrist is at 53. He's dealing with a foot issue, but he's listed as probable. It's a good matchup for him, but he's not a high upside sort of a player. And uh, Justin Jackson, who started the last game, put up three points in 19 minutes. So yeah, far from an option. Marvin Williams at 4,100 really turded it up in the last couple. Eight points only in that last game, but at 4,100 in a really, really positive matchup. I'm in on using Marv here. While Frank the Tank at 45, more of a tournament guy. I'd much rather go with Marv, save that $400, especially on Fangio when money is tight. Scal is at 5,400, averaging 26 over the last three. I don't have confidence in him, but if we hear that Zebo is out, I'd be more interested in using him as a tournament, or as a cash guy, otherwise just a tournament. Corley Stein at 7-2. I feel all right about that. I think there's some cash value there. Costa Kufos, not much interest. While Dwight, love the matchup for Dwight. Love the situation. He has been crushing it, but 9-3 is a very big price, but I still think that he should have a place in your tournament pools, and he can absolutely be considered in cash. He's been crushing it. Averaging 44 over the last five, that's a really, really good, uh, I guess, base to work with, and that can be used in cash in a really positive matchup for him. Um, Let's go on to the DraftKings side of things for this game. Uh, For tournaments, Labissier at 43. I could even consider using that in cash. That's a really good spot. There's a bunch of other guys who I like for both cash and tournaments. It's Marv at 41, Foxy's at 51, Budrick's at 46, Kemba's at 7-7. I really like that on DraftKings for Kemba. And Dwight at 8-1 is a stupendous price. I love Dwight Howard at 8-1. That's almost really, yeah, lock that in and build a cash lineup around it for Howard up against Sacramento. Really, really strong there. Uh, you can look at his past record against the Kings, but remember, that's Boogie Cousins, and many people have trouble with Boogie in terms of uh, fouls and that sort of stuff. Corley Stein is a completely different kettle of fish, so you can uh, chuck some of that past uh, history out for Dwight going up against uh, the Kings. The Jazz 
and the Hawks. The Jazz are favored by two and a half, and the total is 205 and a half. Rocket Rodney Hood moved into the starting lineup and then missed the next game with a lower leg contusion. With him out, Jingle and Joe Ingles went bananas in that last game, got his usage up, scored over 20 points, and went off. So if Rocket is out, then Jingle moves back into that starting small forward role. It also increases the value of ravishing Rick Rubio if Rocket happens to be out of this one. At point guard, Dennis Schroeder is at $8,000. He's been putting up you know, solid numbers, and if it was against anyone else apart from the Jazz or maybe the Spurs, I would consider Schroeder here at that price. But in this spot, he is uh, someone I'd probably let go. As for Rubio at 5400 actually playing well, averaging 30 over the last three, 25 over the last five. If Hood is out in a really positive matchup, I'd be in on Rubio here. But if Hood plays, he's probably more of a tournament guy, if at all. Uh, for shooting guards, Rockets at 5,200. If he moves back into that starting lineup, the the shot has been coming around for him. He's been a little bit better lately. I, I'd consider him, but still more of a GPP guy. He is hard to use in cash. While the Don, Don Mitchell at $8,000, he's almost dropping 40 a night. So for cash, it feels like a pretty good play. Kent Bazemore's at 6,000. His numbers have declined a little bit. Hate the matchup. Really don't like the price either. At small forward, the artist formerly known as Torian Prince has been putrid, averaging 13 over the last five. He's at 5,300 in a really negative matchup, so it is hard to get behind using him. But I'd throw him in a tournament pool because his ownership is going to be stupidly low. As for Ingles, 38 points in that last game that I referenced with Hood out, 5,300 for him. He has been getting really nowhere near that prior to that last game. But you have to consider if Rocket is out, you're know, using him in, in a really good matchup for him. There is definite 30-point upside here for Joe Ingles. So just uh, just consider that without making it a lock. At power forward, Ursan Ilyasovas at 5,200. The matchup's not ideal, so I'd probably end up fading him. Or Favors at 6,000. Actually played pretty well in that last game, even with Gobert back. 33 points for him there, but still probably a fade with Gobert around. As for as for Rudy, he's at 7,633 points in that last game. He really played well in his two games back. At 7,600 in a super strong matchup, I like Gobert a lot here. I think he is a cash option against the Hawks, and getting to 30 shouldn't be a challenge, and then there's 45-point upside there. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. Yes, still, for whatever stupid reason, he is coming off the bench behind Miles Plumley, but it hasn't mattered. He's clearly outplaying him and getting more minutes, averaging 28 over the last three games in 23 minutes at 5,400. In any other matchup, I'd be interested in Deadman, but the Gobert factor, the slow pace of Utah is probably something that makes me go, you know what, let's leave it for another day. Oh, I didn't talk about the Baptist, John Collins. He's at 6,200, and again, the matchup at that price, they're two things that aren't working in his favor, so I'll probably leave him uh, alone. Over on uh, DraftKings, uh, for tournaments, formerly again, 4,700 for Torian Prince and then for, for cash. Now, the Baptist is at 4,700. That big difference of $1,400 between, or $1,500 between him on DraftKings and on Fangio is enough to make me say, you know what? I feel really good about him on DraftKings at that price, getting that number. Gobert at 7,000 is a cash play and Deadman at 48 also has good value. And the other guys that I mentioned, like Ravishing Rick and Rocket Rodney and Jingle and Joe, Depending on hood status, they can be used in a similar way to what I mentioned on uh, on Fangio. The next game we're going to talk about it is the Chicago Bulls 
Uh, they're taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, we know Chris Dunn is out. This stupid fly that's buzzing around. Get out of here. Uh, the Pelicans are favored by six and a half, and the total is 225.5. Chris Dunn is out with that concussion. So we're going to get another start from Jaron Grant. The Pelicans point guards, Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, really tough for me to consider using either of those, even though when you go up against the Bulls' backcourt, there is some numbers to be had. So maybe minimum salary Clarky, who played yeah, more minutes than Rondo in pretty much every game apart from the last one. There might be something there, but in general, I would say that's a, that's a stay-away spot. While Grant at 5,600, he had 26 in 26 minutes in that start for Dunn in the last game, which at 5,600 is sort of right on where it needs to be. I uh, don't see that as a high-priority type of ad. I like Drew Drew Holiday, 8,300. He has been killing it. Great, great matchup for Drew here. You want to go your brother game revenge? Mate, whatever narrative that is, I'm playing against my brother. I don't know. 8,300. He has just been crushing it every game he's played. A great, great matchup-based uh, situation for Drew here. I like him in cash. I like him in tournaments. Whereas his brother, Justin, 5,500. Not a bad spot to use him either, averaging 27 over the last three. I think he is a decently solid cash option. At small fort, Etwan Moore's at 5,000. That doesn't get me excited, nor does Darius Miller, the hammer, Denzel Valentine, or David Nwaba. At power forward, Nick Miritich, 6,500, the Montenegrin Alpha. His numbers have dipped a little bit recently with a 27-point average over the last five. And with Larry Markinen healthy, he is a little bit tough to use at that sort of a price. As for Markinen, 6,300, cheaper than Miritich. I would take Markinen over Miritich here, and I feel pretty good about using him, although the Cousins-Davis uh, issues are uh, they are a problem. Um, uh, Tone Davis, 11,500. He just annihilates the Bulls. I love using him here. This is 60-point territory for Davis, 65, 70-point territory, really. Uh, he can go massive here. He could also shit the bed, but I feel pretty good about using him in cash and in tournaments. While Punch Bob Shiploke is at 4,200. Some decent performances from him lately. And if he was like a 38, 3,900 guy, I'd be more interested in using him just in case these guys like Miritich and Markinen get themselves in foul trouble against the Pelicans bigs and, and Punchwob has to come in and yeah, play 22 minutes and get those numbers up in junk time. So that could be an option. So keep him as maybe a tournament guy to look at. At center, Boogs at 11.5. I'd have him at a lower priority than Davis, but still a pretty strong option. While Robin Lopez at 4,400, don't want to use him against this front court. Over on DraftKings, I like Cousins, I like Davis, I like Drew Holiday, all of them for cash. 10-9 for Cousins, 10-8 for Davis, and 7-2 for Drew is a stupidly low price. That is an absolute gift, I believe. Uh, Markin and Miritich, less appealing. I'd probably end up fading them here. While Justin Holiday at 59 doesn't have anywhere near the appeal that what he does on Fangio. Jaron Grant at 49. Now, that is one that I can get behind at that sort of a price. So he is someone to pay uh, pay some attention to over there. Um, let's uh, have a look at the uh, the next one. It's the Miami Heat and the Houston Rockets. No spread for this one at this point, we because we don't know the status of both the Iron Shoulder Goran Dragic or Tyler Johnson from the Heat, which obviously reduces their ball handling. If both of those guys are out, you're going to bump up your Josh Richardsons. The Duke Wayne Ellington gets more run there. Also, Justice Winslow becomes a bit of a tournament player. You could look at Derek Jones, although he's one of the worst fantasy players in the NBA. For the Rockets, the questionable guys don't really have too much of an impact. Joe Chi, Chinano Onwaku, and Troy Williams, they're not going to play in uh, in general. 
Um, let's uh, let's look at the point guards here. Ed Johnson's at 5,400. I don't think that he plays in this one. Well, Dragic at 72. I don't, I'm not really interested in him either. Even if they do play, I don't think they're strong options uh, in this game. Uh, Chrissy Paul, the other one we need to pay attention to, 10,200 for him. Yep, yeah, 62 points in that game against the Warriors. Really fantastic, 53 over his last five. At 10-2, I think he's okay for cash. Now, the Heat have been a real trouble spot for opposition point guards, so he's probably not high on my priority list. You can use him, of course. We know how good he is, but there are going to be, with nine games on, there are going to be other options out there that are more beneficial. At shooting guard, Jim Harden's at 10-3. Smashed through his minutes restriction in the last game, putting up 35 I really like him at 10-3. That's a super cheap price for him. Now, unless they reduce his minutes, and his minutes were supposed to be limited to 30 against the Warriors, and he played 35, but he pushed through it with no ill effects. So I think he's going to be pretty much at his normal minute load here at 10-3. I think that we're looking at a big game, and I really like Jim in this one. The Dukes at 4,800, Wayne Allington, more of a tournament guy, and less Dragic and Johnson are ruled out, then he can have some value there. Eric Gordon is at $6,000 with... Harden getting his minutes back with uh, Trevor Ariza back, with Gerald Green back from suspension. Pretty hard to rely upon uh, Eric Gordon here. As for Ariza, 5,500. Not a bad cash play, but there are better guys around and really limited tournament upside. Well, Joshy Richardson at 6,300. Just getting 30 points pretty much every game, so I like him for cash. The reliability factor is pretty nice. Justice Winslow, uh, minimum, almost minimum, $3,600. Would be a tournament guy if we have Dragic and Johnson out. At power forward, Jim Johnson, 5,600, really took control. Now, he is a guy who will handle the ball more if Dragic and Johnson and Tyler Johnson are out. So he would, at 5,600, I would love him in cash if that scenario arises. While Kelly Olenek at 4,500, tournament only, really. Ryan Anderson, you're only using him in tournaments, and he is not good. At center, Clint Capella, 7,700. Um... I like him here. It is a negative matchup against Whiteside, but I think that Capella is uh, almost a 35-point type of guy here, so I think it's a pretty decent situation. As for Hassan at 8,500, this has got all the makings of a low-minute Whiteside game against a Rockets team that can run him off the floor. So that is fade territory. That's why you could have a Linux as a GPP, or you could have Bam, depending on how the how this game goes, whether they try and stretch out the Rockets or they use Bam with his switchability onto the outside. So I think this is a, a stay away for Hassan based on um, the way that he'd been benched in fourth quarters and uh, and, and using, um, it's not, I guess, some sort of logic to see how this game style may or may not fit him. On DraftKings, I like Capella at 6-6. That is a great price. While Harden at 10-2 is also strong. Chris Paul at 9-7. Again, the negative matchup takes a little bit away, but at 9-7, I think you can consider using him here. Josh Richardson at 6-3. I would look at that more if Dragic is out. I like the 5,100 for Trevor Ariza for cash as well. All right, let's go on to the next game now. Uh, we've got the Suns taking on the Bucks. No spread currently. We know that Giannis Adurukumpo is out and Malcolm Brogdon is questionable with a personal issue that caused him to miss the last game. If he is out, you're going to get Sterling Brown and Tony Snell starting again, most likely. So there is a little bit of value there in both of those guys. Eric Bledsoe, 8,300. He dropped a 47 on the Suns in that last game uh, against his former team. At 8,300 with Giannis out and with the potential that Brogdon's out as well, I think you have to go back to the Bledsoe well. It didn't really work fantastically the last time, uh, only 34 points, but I think a 40 burger is a, is a decent thing to expect here for Bled. Uh, on the Suns, 
run side of things, Euless, Cannon, eh, maybe Cannon at 37 could be a tournament play, but really not strong. Well, Deliver Dover at 35. He barely played despite the fact that Brogdon was out in that last game, only 17 minutes, so really no change in his usual role. As for Brogdon, 6,300, I think that's a fade territory. While Chrissy Middleton's at 8-6. With Giannis out, he almost triple-doubled. Put up, oh, he did triple-double, sorry. He had 55 points in that one as well. So smash through that value, and I think he'd be a decent option. But he's going to be really highly owned, I believe. Sterling Brown at minimum salary. Only had 18 points, but played 39 minutes. Um... I think at 3,500, you have to consider him a GPP guy, especially if Brogdon is out. While Tone Snell at 43 would be coming to the GPP calculations too. Devin Booker, 8,500, just constantly churning out big numbers. And that's a pretty big salary for Book. And the matchup is not a positive one. But I think you have to consider him almost a cash play every time he's out there. And he's got some tournament value there also. At small forward, Tony Warren Jr. is at $7,000. Yeah, I don't think the tournament value is that high. But with Giannis out, I feel okay about him in cash. Well, Joshy Jackson at 48 is more of a fade guy to me. At power forward, the Muppet John Henson at 56. Um, I think he's worth a look. It's, it's a good matchup. He's done well against Phoenix in the past. Uh, a really positive matchup for him here. I don't feel super strongly about locking him in, but there's something to say that this might be a good one. While Marquise Chris is out for Phoenix, so Dragon Bender will get another start. But after a couple of good games, he has faded away back to that uh, low fantasy value sort of a player. At center, Alex Len at 4,000. I don't really see much there for him. While Tyson Chandler at 48. You could consider Chandler almost a cash guy who's going to play 27 minutes and get you 23 points, and that's really about it. But very, very little upside for Tyson Chandler. Over on DraftKings, I like Middleton at 8,700. You could look at Bledsoe at 82 as well, and Brogdon at 5,000. If he plays at 5,000, I really like that, but of course, we don't know that at this point. While Booker at 8,900, that's that's fairly high, and that might be fadish to me for Booker on DraftKings, just given how high that price tag is uh, and the uh, limited salary cap over there. The next game, the 76ers and the Grizzlies. The Sixers are favored by three, and the total is 207.5. The Grizzlies' injuries are really not looking great. We've got Jermichael Green out, Chandler Parsons out, Jim Ennis out, and then we've got questionable Dylan Brooks. Um, we've got Jarrell Martin. We've got Mario Chalmers, all questionable, and Andy Harrison is probable. What this team does if Jarrell Martin's out at power forward is going to be interesting. They'll have Marcus Old, Deontay Davis, and Brandon Wright to play those minutes, so there could be an opportunity to use Wright or Davis in a tournament setting. Uh, if if not, we're going to have Jarrell Martin locked into that starting role. Uh, you're going to have minutes uh, or minute opportunities, I guess, for Brooks if he plays. But if he is out, then that opens up your Wayne Seldens and perhaps your Ben McLemore's as well. So just a whole mess, really, on this Memphis side of things. At point guard, um, TJ McConnell, 5,400, really been crushing that value. You feel totally fine about using him as a cash option. Jared Bayless missed the last game. He'd be tough to consider anyway. While Chalmers, yeah, I, I don't really see much there for Mario Chalmers, another one of the players who is questionable. At shooting guard, Tyreek's at 8,000. Love that with all these guys injured. I think he's he's been a little bit down recently, averaging just 33 over the last five, but I feel pretty good about Tyreek here. While Selden at 39 is your classic GPP sort of a guy that it's going to be dependent on a few injuries, but it could be a really big performance for him. Uh, small forward Bob Cubs at 6,200. He had a big game in the last one, and Fangio just said, right, screw you guys. We're bumping him right back up. So that takes him out of any sort of cash consideration and probably out of tournament discussions as well. While Dylan Brooks at 4,000, if he's ready to go, which we don't know yet, is questionable with an illness. If he is ready to go, I think that he is a strong cash play. 
Jarrell Martin at 4,000 at power forward. If he plays, I love that for cash. That's almost as lock as it gets, but we just don't know that he's going to play. Uh, and that's the problem with locking him in. But he would have sensational value. Whereas Benny Simmons at 8,100. I like the matchup here for Simmons. He's been a little bit down in the last couple, averaging just 33 over the last five. But that's not too far away from where you want him to be. So still a value play. Well, Sharage at 6,100, I think, is a very strong cash option. At center, Marcus Gasol, 7,900. Um, I think I'd fade that. Embiid at 10-4, I'd probably end up fading that as well. I don't really like the matchup for Embiid against the Grizzlies and Gasol against uh, uh, Embiid. Not not really feeling too much enjoyment there. But as I said, with uh, Deontay Davis and Brandon Wright, there could be an opportunity for both of those guys to play minutes at power forward, and that could open up things for them to become tournament options. In fact, Davis is a minimum salary guy who, who does have you know, 30-point upside here, so someone to pay some attention to. On DraftKings, I like Embiid at 9-8, more of a tournament guy, but I like him on DraftKings, while Simmons at 7-9, the same. And you know, that whole mess with Jarrell Martin uh, at 4,400, love him if he plays. That's a, that's a good option. TJ McConnell at 5,000 is pretty strong as well, and Wayne Selden at 4,100, who's coming off a, a career night in the last game, is worth looking at. The Wizards and the Mavs. Washington's favored by two. The total is 214. Devin Harris missed the last game with a head injury. We'll see if he plays. If he doesn't, it's more for Yogi Ferrell. It's more for JJ Breyer. It's probably more for Dennis Smith Jr. as well. At point guard, Johnny Wall, 10,100. Attacking Smith as a defender in DFS has worked well, so let's go back to that with John. He he probably doesn't have too much upside above the 55-point mark, but his his, uh, floor in this matchup, I think, should be what gets you excited, so I like that. Berea at 5,000. The numbers have declined a little bit with Smith's uh, ascendance. So more of a fade. Well, we don't know if Maxi Kleber will start or if they'll go small to match up with a Markeith Morris starting lineup or even Kelly Oubre is the other option. So I imagine that Ferrell moves back into the starting lineup. He'd be a, a tournament guy rather than a cash player. And Smith at 6,800, averaging 36 over his last five. So beating that value... The John Wall defense can be an issue, but he had 45 when the uh, Mavericks went into Washington and upset the Wizards. So I think that you can consider Smith an option for cash. And a really good tournament guy too. Brad Beal at 76. I like that a lot for cash. I think there is 50-point upside there. Uh, I, even though the negative matchup does uh, does apply here, I still think that Beal is strong at that price. Wes Matthews at 52 has been just chugging along pretty nicely. I think limited upside. But for cash, his numbers are looking okay at the moment, especially if Devin Harris is out. At small forward, Ubre is at 4,900. I like that for cash. I think there's a chance that he could start, but at least he's going to play around 30 minutes, I believe. So I like that. While the pencil Harrison Barnes was terrible in the last outing, he's at 6,700. I think he bounces back, and I think he's got a 40-point game in him. Otto Porter at 66 would be a fade. Power forward, Dwight Powell, Markeith Morris. I don't have any interest in either of those. Well, Dirk at 5,100. Not a bad option here for Dirk uh, to be used, but I'm not uh, not super into that. At center, Gortats at 4,700. That's a strong fade, as is Mejri and Mahinmi. Um, let's uh, go on to DraftKings now. I like Wall for 94. Uncash, the pencil at 6,500. And Ubre at 4,700. And most of the other things are very similar to how it looks on Fangio. 
Let's uh, go on to the next game now. We're looking at the Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by three, and the total is 212 points. Ken Fareed is questionable with an ankle issue. It's questionable whether he even plays, so we don't need to pay too much attention there. We hope that Trey Lyles will continue to start next to Nick Jokic, as Mike Malone said, oh, we've got to make sure that Jokic plays more at the five. Like, no shit, mate. I can't believe it's taken him two years to realize this, but yes, that's what you have to do. At point guard, the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, 6,300. He had 47 in that last game. The Blazers, they've been a decent team. Well, they've been a very good team defensively against point guard. So that's, a, it's, I guess, counterintuitive when you think that McCollum and Lillard are defending them. But point guards have struggled against them. But I do think 6,300, Murray is a tournament guy, not a cash guy. Whereas Lillard, on the other hand, I like for cash. 9,300, you know, averaging 47 over the last three, 44 over his last five. Fairly strong floor and a good matchup to boot. At shooting guard, Gaz Harris, 7,400. Nice, Gary! Um, yeah, that's fine for cash. I like that. Well, McCollum at 7-3, I think, is also good for cash. You could use both of those guys. They're a bit of a toss-up as to which one you use. I'd probably lean Harris a little bit, but they're both yeah, really strong value. As Farton, Will Barton at 6,700. The numbers have dipped a little bit for him. More of a tournament guy because he can be quite up and down. At small forward, baby neck Wilson Chandler, strong fade. For me, Evan Turner at 3,800, also not really doing it for me too much. At power forward, Trey Lyles at 5,400. I like that. He started the last game, played 28, had 25. Um, yeah, I think he's a, he's a pretty good option in a strong matchup. While the chief, Al Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Uh, he had under 20 points in the last game, so he was shit in that one. 5,500, uh, more of a tournament guy than a, than a cash player, but not a strong one. While at center, you've got Yusuf Nurkic. Can he uh, go against his former team? He'd previously been good against them, but then uh, was, was he struggled in the last, last outing, I believe. 6,700 for Nurk, tournament guy. Well, Jokic, who'd struggled previously against Nurk, he played all right the last time out. He's at 9,800, but still more of a tournament guy than a cash player. Um... On to DraftKings, Jokic, Lillard, McCullum, and Lyles, all I think are cash and tournament guys. Jokic at 9-2, Lillard at 8-8, eight, eight, which is great. McCullum at 6-7, and Lyles at 5-3. You've got Gaz Harris at 6,900 there as well, and the Blue Arrow at 6,000. I could consider Jamal Murray cash at that price. That is a really, really sexy option. Let's go on to the last game of the night. It is the Minnesota Timberwolves and the LA Clippers. No spread at this point because we don't know if J- Jimmy Butler's playing and we don't know if Jamal Crawford are playing. Uh, both of them are playing. They missed the last game for the Wolves with uh, Nemanja Bialica starting in place of Butler at point guard. Milos Teodosic is at 4,800. I love that price for a starting point guard. Yeah, he has had some struggles, but I'm in on using him here. Whereas Jeff Teague at 6,000. My name is Jeff. Um... The numbers haven't been kind to him. 28 over the last five, 21 over the last three. But I think he's worth a tournament look here. Um, Jawan Evans, Tyus Jones, not much there. At shooting guard, Ty Wallace. Yeah, love what he's doing on the court. It's not translating into great DFS numbers. He's at 4,400. More of a tournament guy than anything. While we go at 6,200. Again, just a GPP option. Lou Williams crushing it. He's at 9,200. He had 10 steals in the last game and 71 FanDuel points. Absolutely killing it there. 9-2 is pretty high, but I still feel okay about using him in cash, as weird as this season has been. At small forward, Jim Butler's at 92. We don't know if he's going to play with this knee issue, but I do like him if he does play. 
but we don't know that. While Wes Johnson at 4,600, we know DeAndre Jordan's out, so Johnson should get some extra minutes, and he is not a bad tournament guy. In fact, he's a pretty good tournament option with DeAndre gone. As for Bielitsa, he had 20 points in the start with Butler out in the last game. 3,600, absolutely worth a look in cash and in tournaments if Jim sits. Taj Gibson at 56, a strong cash play at that price. The table, Montrez Harrell at 55. Well, against a team that does go two bigs a lot of the time and could even go three bigs with Bielitsa at the three, I think that Harrell at 5,500 is a very, very good option here with DeAndre out. Blakey Griffin at 8,400, like that for cash. And then at center, you've got Will Reed, who started, but the minutes haven't been there. You can have a look at him as a, as a GPP punt at 4,000, but that's really about it. While Townsy, 9,400 for Carl Anthony Towns. That's as good as anything for cash. Yeah, 45, 50-point sort of an option here with DeAndre Jordan sitting. On DraftKings, I like Lou at 85. That's great. Uh, Jeff Teague at 57, also great. Yeah, Jim and Townsy, we'd really look at Towns at 95, especially if Butler is out. Blake at 86 is maybe a little bit more fadeable, where I love Taj at 5,400, and Harrell at 5,100 does have a little bit of value there. Let's move on to Yahoo now, and for tournaments on Yahoo, I like Darren Fox, Jarrell Martin, Joe Ingles, the Duke Wayne Ellington, Ty Wallace, Wes Johnson, Shabazz Napier, Deontay Davis, Wayne Selden, and Sterling Brown. And for cash, Bob Portis, Tyson Chandler, Marvin Williams, Kelly Oubre, Milos Teodosic, Dwayne Dedman, Scalabissier, Jaron Grant, Aminu, Budrick, The Muppet, Bogdan Bogdanovich, The Baptist, uh, Lou Williams, Damian Lillard, Dwight Howard, and Nick Jokic. On Moneyball for tournaments, Dwight Howard, Ben Simmons, uh, Bob Cove, De'Aaron Fox, Budrick Heald, Jarrell Martin, the Duke Wayne Ellington, Bob Portis, Deontay Davis, and Wayne Selden. And for cash, Marvin Williams, Dirk Nowitzki, Kelly Oubre, Milos Teodosic, John Henson, Taj Gibson, Trey Lyles, Dario Saric, Nick Batum, Gaz Harris, Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, Bledsoe, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Lou Williams, Tone Davis, Bull Cousins, and Jim Harden. And on Draft Stars, don't play the target game. On GPP, Budrick Heald. Wayne Allington, Jarrell Martin, Yogi Ferrell, Markeith Morris, Andy Harrison, Dylan Brooks, Sterling Brown. And for cash, it's Deontay Davis, Wayne Selden, uh, the Muppet John Henson, Scalabissier, JJ Barea, Jaron Grant, Torian Prince, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Lyles, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Jamal Murray, Lou Williams, John Wall, Tone Davis, and Demarcus Cousins. We are done here, guys. Don't forget to check out LockedOnFantasyBasketball.com, your home of the podcast. Check out BasketballMonster.com and go and follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. I am Josh Lloyd, the lead fantasy analyst at Basketball Monster. And you can subscribe to this podcast. Well, actually, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, go and leave a five-star review. But you can also find it on Google Play, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, and on Spotify. All Locked On Podcasts now on Spotify and on YouTube, where you can subscribe, give a thumbs up, and leave a comment. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Josh Richardson.